When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by BetMGM and McKenny Hockey. I am Mike Stevens. This is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, trade deadline's gone. We don't have any rumors to talk about. Like it's, It just seems like we're run down the stretch, and yet there's still stuff happening. Indeed. Headlines, headlines afoot, if yes. you will. Um, and we're going to start with a relatively surprising one um, that hit us in the middle of, I guess, sort of action in last night's slate of games, is that uh, Andrei Svechnikov, the superstar forward of the Carolina Hurricanes, a team that went all in, you know, they, they are all in, they need to get past that second round hump, uh, they keep getting stuck at, this is their top, arguably their top player, their top offensive force, he is now apparently in, in the process of getting a second opinion on what the team has concerns of is a torn ACL, mm-hmm. which would end his season and his playoffs, all that, it would be a devastating blow to a potential contender. I mean, like, what do we even make of this? Because this is a a bombshell to drop on a team like this. It really is, and and you can't really overstate it because he is such a unique player for them where he has that great size Mm -hmm. and he has that great production capability. And, of course, this is a Carolina team that, you know, we thought would have Max Pacioretty, and then, unfortunately, you know, he came back from injury, and then immediately so got the same immediately injury and re-injured yeah. himself. He's Doug so. gilmore it, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you look at that Carolina team, and, I mean, they still have a, a lot of weapons, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not bereft, but I think when you look at uh, the Eastern Conference, we knew it was going to be uh, just an absolute bloodbath. And, you know, Carolina, they're, you know, they're probably, if, if they're not going to win the Metropolitan, then they're certainly going to have home ice advantage. Yes. But what this does is, I, I think it's that it's that second round again, yeah. right? In the first round, they're probably going to play either Pittsburgh or the Islanders. They can beat them. They can probably yeah. be one of those teams. But then it's, can you beat either New Jersey or the Rangers? Mm-hmm. That's a tough one because both of those teams have a lot of weapons up front. And, you know, I, I, the question I still had with Carolina is, do they have playoff goaltending? Uh, and again... I don't do a lot of hot takes, but I think if they were going to make a big run, Peter Kachekov would be the guy. I was going to say they got, they got Peter Kachekov. He's oh, man, what a what a player! Would they be that? Would they be so bold? Oh. I, I hope that they would. Um, Maybe a Trey Augustine type situation in the World Juniors. Very possible. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but it certainly puts Carolina behind the proverbial eight ball. And they, again, they still have a lot of talent. Mm. And you look at what Brent Burns has been able to do oh. on the blue line. Paired with Jacob Slavin, um, so you have two of the the biggest and best in the league at mm-hmm. what they do, whether it's offense or defense on the blue line. They still have Sebastian Ajo. Yes, you know they still have Seth Jar- Jarvis and Martin Nechesh. Um So I, I don't I don't think this is going to like deep six their their season, but in terms of long term sustainability, it's going to be hard to match up against. Teams like whether it's in the second round or in a third round possibility against 
Boston, Toronto, or Tampa, it just it puts them in a tough spot. A hundred percent. And I look at that, and and I also I look at the reports leading up to the trade deadline of the teams that are in on Timo Meyer, you know, and mm-hmm. the, the Hurricanes were apparently right there. And you think like, man, how much like like this this hindsight exactly right <laughs> like ca- Captain Hindsight here. But like, imagine just like this is this would be a blow that would be softened infinitesimally. Uh, yes. If you have a, a Timo Meyer to fall back on, and now, uh, unfortunately, one of your uh, the the team you're fighting for the Metropolitan Division with has him. Yeah. Um, now, like, what's interesting about this too, and we were talking about this <laughs> in the press box of last night's uh, Leafs game, is that like, like what a second opinion on a torn ACL? Like, I like mm-hmm. in, in my, I feel like if a, if an ACL is torn, you look at one piece, you look yes. at the other piece, you go, they're not together, so that's yes. a torn ACL. I wonder, like, I wonder if if this second opinion is they're looking at this, they go, okay. How can we have him play on this? You right. Know? Can he play through it? And I think we've seen, like, it's, it's not smart, but we've seen, like, but we've seen, you know, NHL players, we've seen hockey players play on torn ACLs for maybe not an extended period of time like this, but, like, mm-hmm. Ilya Mikheyev did, the, did that through the start of this season. And, uh, um, like, Zach Hyman did it during, uh, I believe, a, a, a Leafs, um, one of the Leafs and Bruins series. Like, it's happened, but, man, then you're having a guy. Then you're risking, first of all, the long-term health of an asset, like mm-hmm. Andrei Svechnikov, who is a young, like, pillar of your team. And you're also wondering, like, how effective will he be? Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is, this is a news story that just sort of seeped into seeped out there last night. But it, it has major implications for the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Like, it... Like, not even just, like, the playoff picture coming into it, but which teams can move forward, you know, who can... Mm. Because I thought, you know, you look at the, you look at the Hurricanes and you look at the, at, at, at the Devils, and I think that they're pretty well, like, you know, stacked up against each other. Like, I think yeah. that would be a relatively even matchup. You take Andrei Svechikov out of the equation, I don't know if they got a shot, so this is tough. Well, and, you know, two things just riffing off that. Yeah. Like, I mean, with, with him out of the lineup, does Carolina drop down behind New Jersey? And then all of a sudden, Carolina's got the Rangers in the first round. <laughs> and that's... Which oh. is, a, you know, pretty daunting. Yeah. Uh, and not really a fun, quote-unquote, reward for finishing near the top of your division. You know, and the other thing, going back to the actual injury, mm-hmm. and I'm no doctician, so I cannot Patient. say. Well, you dropped out of medical school. Exactly. You a couple one, credit shot. You had one test to go. Yeah, Ugh. exactly. It was crushing. Um, but, you know, life gets in the way. I know. But uh, I, I think perhaps, you know, when they're looking at other options here, maybe the question is, and, and you know, Ely McKay have actually talked about this yeah. this year, where he said, yeah, I was injured, but... You know, the doctor said it wasn't going to get any worse mm-hmm. for a period of time. So there was, you know, I, I could, you know, try to gut it out for a bit. Perhaps it, it is a situation of, well, it can't get any worse. So mm-hmm. if you don't mind playing through it, then, you know, you're, you know you're going to have mm-hmm. a procedure afterwards. Um, or maybe it is a situation where the doctors say, no, you know, you could do lasting damage, so you should definitely not play. Yeah. And then, you know, it is up to the player to make that decision. Um, so I think, you know, Caroline is right in getting as many as much information as possible Absolutely. Absolutely. to lay it out in front of Svechnikov and his reps and say, what do you want to do here? You know, these are the pros and cons. Yeah, and, and, and on top of that, too, like, let's say, let's say, and this is totally hypothetical, we'll move on after this, I guess, but... You know, like, let's say they say, okay, it can't get any worse. It's the Lee McCann situation. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, you know, what is it, 15 games left to maybe just sit out? 
maybe yeah. rest it. But then I also like as someone who's dealt with knee injuries himself, like like uh, uh, I think if you leave it, like if you leave a knee injury, it it becomes a swell that you the scar tissue builds up. It becomes to to get worse. Mm. So it it really is sort of a. A, a darned if you do, darned if you don't, if you will, in that like, okay, you can you can play through this, but I think you just got to gut it out the whole way opposed to like, you can take these 15 games off and come back in the playoffs, but then it, the knee might be unplayable at that point. It's mm-hmm. it's really tough. This is like, this is just a nightmare scenario for the for, for, for the Hurricanes. And it's, it's because this is a team that is playing so well this season. Yep. They have a phenomenal roster. And you look at the, like you said, you look at the, the blows that they've been, they've been dealt. Like, they got Max Pacioretty for free. That was supposed to be their trump card. Yeah. And he was playing really well in those five games that he was able to suit up for them. Yeah. And then it just, like, like the other shoe drops. And, and with Sveshnikov, it always seems like there's something that, that trips them up. Last year, it was Frederick Anderson's injury. Or even both in, the injuries to both goaltenders. Yeah. It was, like, there's, there always seems to be something that trips them up. It's just a shame. One of these days, the hockey gods will... Throw them a bone, even though they gave him a Stanley Cup. But still, we'll throw them a bone. Um, all right. Philadelphia. Yes. Um, I'm not going to make an always sunny joke. Everyone's probably made that in, in, all, the, in, in all the headlines. But, man, like, this, is a, this is an organization that is in di- like dire straits right now. This is like everything is up in the air. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, unless, I'm sure you heard, but um, over the weekend, um, they fired GM Chuck Fletcher. They're going to split up. He was Well, he was GM and president. They're going to split up those roles into mm-hmm. two different players. Uh, two different, not players, people now. Yeah. Um, they, have an, uh, they have an old player, though. They do. Uh, as, as, a, as interim GM, who might actually keep on that job. We don't know. Danny Briere, who is a special assistant to the general manager in Chuck Fletcher. Mm. Um, I, guess, I guess we'll start off with what befell Chuck Fletcher here. Mm. Uh, and then we can move forward into sort of where Philly's going to go from here. But Chuck Fletcher, he, he's, he was hired in, I believe it was December 2018. Um, and since then, the Flyers are well under 500. They had one playoff appearance, which was in the COVID bubble. Yep. And to be fair, they were like one game away from reaching the, I believe it was the Eastern Conference Finals um, in, that, in that COVID bubble. But then ever since then, it has been just disaster after disaster and eventually uh, led to his firing. What are we, we going to think when we look back on the Chuck Fletcher era of the Philadelphia Flyers? Well, the thing that strikes me is... There's a huge what if in yes. this entire scenario. And from all accounts, you know, talking to people that know, Chuck Fletcher, great guy, super nice mm-hmm. guy, you know, the, the organization, they liked him. Yes. Uh, things just obviously sort of spiraled. But what if Ryan Ellis did not get injured? Because that was such a huge acquisition that could have changed so many mm-hmm. things. There was a butterfly effect, if you will, yes. to the Ryan Ellis injury where. You know, they, you know, they certainly don't sign Tony D'Angelo if they have a healthy Ryan Ellis because they play such similar games, although Ryan Ellis is better defensively. Um, they still have, they both have that offensive acumen. Um, you know, what does it mean for Rasmus Ristolainen in terms of not only his usage, but a potential contract exactly. extension that yep. ended up being signed? Um, you know, what does it mean for the way that they uh, sort of, you know, re- Built, you know, does does Claude Giroux still get traded mm-hmm. if the team is more of a playoff contender? Um, so a lot for me comes down to some very bad fortune uh, with Ryan Ellis, and also, I mean, Sean Couturier, you know, long term injury there. We haven't seen him very much in recent years. Yeah, again, big what ifs. Having said that, 
you, you got to deal with these things, mm-hmm. uh, as we just noted, noted with Carolina. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah, a, a lot of missteps were made. And, um, you know, uh, talking to, to insiders, you know, the trade deadline, it wasn't the reason, uh, but it certainly didn't help. It yeah. was kind of what I was, what I was told was, it was another log on the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, they thought they could get at least a third or a fourth round pick for JVR. Obviously, that did not happen. Um, you know, I, I, there was talk about Kevin Hayes. He was. It was never serious. Yeah, yeah. I, that felt like an odd rumor to me. But I, I think, yeah, unfortunately, you know, this is an organization that really is taking stock now, and you know, the fact that they're dividing up the positions. I think it's smart. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Brian Burke that pointed out one time that, you know, if you're a GM and you have a president, mm-hmm. that president can do a lot. There's a lot of things that we don't see yes. behind the scenes where the president can go out and talk to the business leaders in the community mm-hmm. and, you know, go do little speeches and conferences and Leave the GM to just do the hockey stuff. Yes. Leave the GM to the GMing, you know? Exactly. And, and of course, the presence, as we've seen recently, uh, some very knowledgeable hockey people where, if again, if you're the GM, you've got somebody to bounce ideas off. Absolutely. You've got somebody that can liaison with ownership and sort of give you some backing there. Mm. So, you know, Danny Breer is the interim GM right now. It'll be interesting to see what the process is in Philadelphia mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how they determine who the next full-time GM mm-hmm. is. Is it, you know, maybe it is Breer. Yeah. You know, uh, he's certainly put himself He's worked on his way track. up. Yeah, he's worked his way up. He's had, you know, a couple of different jobs in hockey since retiring. So uh, clearly he, you know, he wants to have uh, a position like this. And then who the president is, another interesting question. Yeah, look, I, you're 100% right. The president is somewhat of like a buffer. Like it's a filter that, um, mm-hmm. that allows the GM, like you said, to do the, the hockey stuff, to do the GMing. Like if you look at, if you look at all of what presidents do in, uh, uh, in all, like we, the, the most I sort of, I guess like a visible example is Brendan Shanahan here. And Brendan Shanahan uh, in Toronto, he just goes out, he does the speaking engagements. He's the one who can talk to, you know, like you said, the business leaders. He's the one who talks to ownership. And when you have an active ownership like they have in Philadelphia, like that Comcast is in there and they're very, like it seems like they're very hands-on. Um, they're, they're very in, sort of entangled. Like you don't, wanna, you don't wanna have, when you're trying to run a hockey team, you also don't wanna have the whole aspect of like playing nice with the, with the owners, mm. having to listen to their input. Like, li- li- listen, like uh, these owners are not hockey people, you know? And so, and yet when you buy a hockey team, you then, there's then an expectation that you have say in the matter, right? right. And so what the president can do is that they can listen to what the owners like to say, like, oh, we should get a guy like that. Oh, we yeah. should we should go, what about this guy? Can yeah. we go, you know, like, or, oh, I don't like this guy. I think this guy, you know, the GM doesn't have to listen to that. The GM can just be like, all right, I'm gonna build my hockey team, where the president can be like, you're totally right. I'll, I'll get back to you on that, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Great idea. I, I just think it's a great, like, the, like, whenever you force one person to do two jobs at the same time, mm-hmm. like, you're gonna, you're gonna half-ass one of them. Like it's just gonna, it's just gonna work that way. And uh, uh, Chuck Fletcher, he, it seemed like he was trying to do many things at once. Mm. He was trying to contend while also build up prospects, while also buy, while also sell. It just never really came together. And now we have a report with where they go in the future. Well, a, I was very interested to see that Danny Briere actually threw around the word rebuild because yep. Chuck Fletcher was adamant against that. Like he was like, no, we are gonna. This is a 
if anything, he was he was saying this is a quick retool. Right. Never was he gonna say rebuild. Danny Briere is now hundred percent. Like he's he's like, yep, yeah, rebuild. I'm we're, we're in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there there are now being reports that have seeped out after. One is that pretty much any like any deck that's not or any any deck chair that's not tied down is 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 available. Like I, there there were reports. I believe it was Elliot Freeman himself said that like Carter Hart might be available. Wow. You know stuff like that. And then another one, and I believe this was from Chris Johnson's um, column, is that the apple of their eye, as they say. Um, the, the one that they really want to get the per, the, for president, not for GM, is Kyle Dubas in Toronto. Because Kyle Dubas is a, is a pending free agent, Ryan. Indeed. Um, and potentially, you would like, and I'm of the opinion that he will likely resign in Toronto, uh-huh. but maybe the allure of a president's job, the, mm-hmm. the, the top, top position in that organization, you know, getting more, more, uh, more power, being able to be the guy who doles out the contract extensions to the GM, opposed to being the one who has to wait and, and wait in the wings. Um, be very interesting. Look, Philly is a prominent hockey team, a prominent Certainly. hockey market. This is this is not an insignificant job. Um, this yeah. is not an insignificant job opening. And while their roster is is a total mess, there are a lot of interesting pieces to work with here. You have a Travis Konecki, you have a Bobby Brink that you that you you got. You know, Cutter Gauthier, guys like that. Yep. Um, I think that if you are responsible for turning around the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, your statue's going right next to Rocky. So there you go. Yeah. So I think this would be a very attractive job for a lot of uh, gym candidates. It'll be very interesting to see. Um, but I'm just, I'm just really, I, I love when teams are self-aware. You know, I love mm-hmm. when teams finally are are able to realize the climate that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what has infuriated me about the Vancouver Canucks uh. for so long. Um, but for Dane Bear to go out and use the term rebuild and say we are in a rebuild, we're ready, like we're we're ready to sort of just have to flip this around. Love it. I hope they, um, you know, I, I hope they, they, they go along that path. And I hope it's very successful. And one other point is whoever is the GM and whoever is the president, mm-hmm. you know, what does it mean for all the sort of high-powered consultants they have? Bobby Clark, Dean Lombardi, Paul Holmgren, Bill Barber. I think That's something that has been very controversial in terms of the influence they've had over the over the Chuck Fletcher era and and beyond. So that's something that um, the GM, the president, and ownership is going to have to figure out what these flyers look like organizationally. Yeah. I and there's a great you know what the uh, just to belabor the point I guess there was a great column I think it was by Char- Charlie O'Connor um, who uh, of the Athletic he wrote that flyer like flyers culture. Mm. We need to get past that, mm-hmm. and and I, like it is, it is hurting sort of the ability of the Flyers to move forward. They're trying to recreate these broad street bullies, mm. um, and while obviously toughness still has a, a has an integral place in the game today, I mean it's just like if you're trying to build your team around that now, you're going to be one step behind you know behind the eight ball yeah. the whole time. And I think that like I, if I was a GM candidate and I'm looking at this job and I have maybe a couple other offers, like I don't want to have Bobby Clark and these guys. Peering over my shoulder, being like, right. "Well, back in my day, yeah. you know, we this was this is the kind of player that we got. Oh, he's got some gumption to him. Let's get him." No, yeah. like I, I want to be able to sit down and do my job. Mm. And I feel like these these advisors, it's great to have them there. It's great that they can be like maybe switch them into community ambassadors or people like that. But just to have these old have the old guard there, mm-hmm. peering over your shoulder all the time nitpicking, you know, we don't even know how much influence they have. Maybe they have more than we think, maybe they have less, I don't know. But like, it just seems from the way, as well from from what I've seen from Bobby Clark in his public 
uh, interviews. He's very pointing fingers heavy. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you remember that time he went on uh, uh, on the, I believe it was the Andy and Strick or the, the Cam and Strick podcast where he basically was like, yeah, our scouts are stupid because I, I didn't want Nolan Patrick. I wanted Nico Heischer, but they took Nolan Patrick and they're dumb. Right. Um, and I'm not sure if that's a great uh, uh, attitude that's, that's, you know, conducive to a rebuilding environment in, right, in, in right. Philly. So I think that there's gonna there gonna be some difficult discussions uh, with with those franchise legends, and they are yeah. franchise legends. But you know, every every team's got to move forward, and yeah. I think that uh, you know, not having the Bobby Clarks and the 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 old guard peering over your shoulder, I think will be very attractive to any uh, GM candidate that's coming along. There you go. Um, all right, coaching hot seats. Yes. So we're reaching the end of the season. Yeah. There have been some surprising teams this year. There have been some disappointing teams this mm. year. Um, and we touched on this earlier in the season, I think around November, maybe late October. So I think we, it's a good time to touch back on it. You know, mm-hmm. Now that the playoff picture is starting to come into view, who is on the coaching hot seat um, for the end of the year? Which coaches do you think have a chance to get fired? Which ones are safe maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, let's start the Blue Jackets. Um, Brad Larson was someone, even right off the hop, I, I, I said, you know, I'm not sure about this guy. Like, I, I'm not, it doesn't, nothing has really gone well since, right. since he took over. Some are not, some is not his fault, some is. How safe do you think Brad Larson is at the end of the season? I think he's safe because I would argue that most of the stuff that went wrong is not his fault. Yeah. Uh, horrendous injuries, uh, mm. headlined by Zach Wierenski. You know, this was a team that I mean, they were one. Of, they had one of the most exciting off seasons. Oh yeah, of Re- any team. Re- you know, you get Johnny Gaudreau, and that was massive. And then, you know, we talked about the youth movement uh, with Kent Johnson and you know Kirill Marchenko coming up, and, and Johnson and Marchenko have, have both been very fantastic. Fun, yeah, you know, um, but you know, with those injuries, and you know, this is actually something I talked to Brad Larson about when uh, they were in Toronto the last time. You know, the reason that guys like Johnson and Marchenko got opportunities is because at one point they had like nine or ten guys hurt. Oh, yeah. So they really had to dig deep. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen a bit of David Juracek, which was fun. He's been most of the time in the AHL. Um, I, I think Brad Larson is owed at least, you know, half of next season with an actual healthy roster. Yes. For him to show GM Yarmo Line and what he can actually do. Like, I, I feel he's just been tremendously hamstrung. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I, I want to see him at least get a, a fighting chance to, to prove his mettle. Yeah, I mean, look, Zach Wierenski is out for the whole year. Elvis Merzlikens, Elvis Merzlikens is away from the team right now. Sean Corrales has been out for, uh, for a while. Justin Danforth is out. Jake Bean has been out for the whole year. Patrick Line missed like 40% of the season with injuries. Boquist missed a bunch of time. Adam Boquist was out. Like, you, you, you can go down the list. This is a horrendous stretch of injuries. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, they even, like, look, even though the, the season was lost at this point, like, Gavrikov was, was sidelined for eight games due to trade-related reasons. And they then they traded Jordan's Copasalo, who was, like, their only good goaltender. And it's just, you know, it, 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 I, I don't think his leash should be extremely long mm. because to be fair although their injuries and all that like like this was a team that had a very very exciting off season and this now they are one of the worst teams in the league um but i do think that like you said just he, he deserves some sort of level of of uh of leeway here yeah because i mean this is just a disaster like a disaster yeah. season yeah um another one here is anaheim and we we keep having this debate it's so yes. funny it's yes. so funny because 
of all the of all the hockey debates that we could have, Ryan and I, are, <laughs> Ryan and I are just locking horns over whether we we thought Anaheim thought they were going to be good this year. Yes, I'm of the opinion that I think they thought they were going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Maybe not good, but yeah. competitive. You're of the opinion that they that this is all part of the plan, as as Heath Ledger would say. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I, like when I looked at this Anaheim Ducks team in the off season. It was like, okay, cool. We're going to see the young guys get a lot of uh, space Mm -hmm. to grow. It's not going to be a lot of wins necessarily. But whether it's Zegris or Mason McTavish or Jamie Drysdale, uh, you know, they're going to get a chance to spread their wings, no pun intended. Now, Jamie Drysdale got hurt and missed most of the season, so that was unfortunate. But Mason McTavish has really grown, and that's great. Um, You know, to me, this is a team that I, I didn't think they would be good. So for Dallas Eakins, I think I would rather have consistency behind the bench for, again, at least another year mm. because I don't like when you get into that trap of young players being exposed to multiple coaches and multiple losing yes. seasons. And uh, you know, a perfect example of this was the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, yeah. Years ago, where guys like Taylor Hall and Nugent Hopkins and Nail Yakupov had mo- like almost like a coach per year, mm-hmm. and they were not winning, so you could not establish establish culture. Um, the only exception I would make, if you had to make a coaching change, the only name I would accept is Kevin Deneen, currently coaching AHL Utica, which is the New Jersey Devils mm-hmm. affiliate. Uh, but Kevin Deneen coached the San Diego Gulls a couple of years ago. Yes. So he has coached Zegris. He has coached Drysdale. He mm-hmm. has coached Lucas Dostal. Uh, so he knows some of those young players. Yes. So if you had to make a change, I would want somebody that some of your core youngsters at least would be like, okay, well, I know what's expected from Kevin Deneen because yes. I had some games under him. It wasn't a, it wasn't a huge swath of games, but at least they know him. So that would be my only sort of acceptable uh, switch. But I still think Dallas Eakins is the right coach for next season. Having said that, next season they should be better. Yes. At that point, you know, uh, healthy Drysdale, maybe we see Olin Zellweger on that back end, Mm -hmm. so you get that super mobile uh, defense core. Because, I mean, you still have Cam Fowler as well. Yeah. so maybe you have that sort of new school, like Colorado style back end. Um, he's still there. I can't follow. Just kicking around. He's, you know, it's funny. It's like, it's just, he's been around. Like he came in so young. Yeah. Like I remember when he got drafted. Yeah, that's nuts. But I'm also old. Now. He was what? Ninth overall? Seventh overall? Something like that? Like he was, it was, it was no, oh, no, he dropped. Yeah, he I remember. Dropped, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was like, why? I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. And that was when I remember, because that, that particular draft, teams were like, is player X tough enough? Ah, uh, yes. Right? And Cam Fowler was not seen as mm-hmm. a tough guy. Uh, but who's laughing now? Okay, so my, my end of the spectrum here is that while I don't think they expected themselves to be a playoff team, I don't think they, you know, they expected themselves to, to, you know, to be a contender, I do think that the Anaheim Ducks wanted to take a step this year. You don't, you don't, you, like, look, if you look at the moves they made in the offseason, like, they, they basically, they cut bait from Sam Steele. Mm. Um, like they were like, this young player, 
he hasn't, he hasn't worked here. We need to get a, a better upgrade here. They committed, I think it was like 15, 60 million dollars in just AAV to Ryan Strom, Frank Vitrano, and John Klingberg. Um, and while it was like, you know, like Klingberg will, will likely be a deadline piece that you can, you can, you know, flip. Like those are, yeah. you know, those are NHL regular veterans that just came from winning environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a lot of money to, to, to strap to them. And then on top of that, they kept John Gibson. Like, yeah. like if they, you know, his his value was never going to be higher than, or like at least for in this sort of downswing of him being on bad teams, mm. his value is never going to be the same as it was last summer. But he also wanted to stay. He did want to stay, absolutely. But I mean, when has that ever stopped? Like, I'm sure wow. Jonathan Quick wanted to stay as well, but now he's a Vegas Golden Knight getting shoutouts. So who knows? So I I do like I do think and, and that they wanted to take a step, and then I, I look at Dallas Eakins, and uh, and and I'm not sure if you're a, a Simpsons fan or not. Um, but he just reminds me of Gil, the car, the car salesman, all the time. He looks like he's on the verge of getting fired every time he steps behind the bench. Right. Like he, his tie is just a little crooked. He's like, oh, Gil, you did it again. Like, you know, every time they lose, he seems to be like, I, I feel like he's been on the hot seat really, really ever since he stepped in there. Like, it uh-huh. seems like there have been reports like that. And then I look at a new GM in Pat Verbeek. That is true. He's very, like, this is not his guy. He didn't hire him. That's true. And also, Pat Verbeek is like, he's not... He, all the reports around him is that he's aggressive. Like he, right. he wants to, to bring this team back into the fold. Mm-hmm. He, that's why he went out and he got these veterans. That's why he's, he's ready to rock. Um, and I just don't think that he is, he's happy with the fact that the Ducks, not only are they bad this year, mm-hmm. or not only are they at, the, at the, the bottom of the standings, but this is like a listless hockey team. Like if, mm-hmm. you, if you watch any Ducks games, like this is a profoundly dysfunctional hockey team. And I do not think that that was that like there is you cannot convince me that that was the the plan this year. Mm-hmm. I don't care how how much tanking involved in this. I don't care how much you know you want to sort of like that this was part of the plan to maybe take a step back, take a step forward. Like you have like with these young players, especially uh, some that are in the lineup now, like with like you said, Zegris, McTavish, yeah. all that, like playing meaningless hockey mm-hmm. is never going to help them. And playing meaningless disjointed dysfunctional hockey like they have like this this is this is a shocking hockey team like yeah. if i'm not sure how many ducks games you've watched lately well i was gonna say i was at when they played in toronto a few months ago yeah it we was were there, literally yeah. the worst performance by an nhl team i've ever seen in person uh but ironically Dmitry Kulikov was probably their weakest player. Yeah, they, yeah, they traded. traded him. But like, <laughs> exactly. But like that, that is being like I've, I've just by happenstance, I've, be, I've tended to watch games that the Ducks have been a part of. Like, right. like, oh, you know, this is this game's on. Oh, the Ducks are playing. Yeah, and it's been like that the whole time. And mm-hmm. you cannot tell me that that was intentional. They, I, I think if any change is going to happen, it's going to be Dallas Eakins. Mm-hmm. I think he is. I think he is on the foremost hot seat. Because gotcha. this is just being. Because you look at the this, the if you look at the writing on the wall, you know, really disappointing season. You know, you got like a veteran laden lineup, um, and then on top of that, new GM, yes. GM that wasn't yes. your guy, and a new GM who has like you know bright you know visions of what he wants the future mm-hmm. to be, and clearly that's not what the, what's on the ice right now. Mm-hmm. I uh, if I was Dallas Eakins, I wouldn't purchase any property in the Anaheim area if I was him. Fair enough. But then again, I'm not a realtor. Like you, I dropped out one course away from graduation. Um, and then another one, this is somewhat surprising, but 100% um, valid, so credit to you, Ryan, for putting this in there. Uh, the Florida Panthers. If the Florida Panthers miss the playoffs one year after winning the President's Trophy, I think you have to look at Paul Maurice, even though it is his first year behind the bench, I think you, you have to admit that maybe that was uh, a, a bad move. And it's a different roster, obviously, mm-hmm. but... It's 
maybe not a better roster, but Matthew Kuchuk, because again, the Mackenzie Weger factor is just oh, so huge. Yeah. I always go back to that. I feel like I say it every podcast. But I mean, as you should. As I should. Yeah. But Matthew Kuchuk is having legit like you heart runner yeah. up. You mentioned him as a heart runner up yeah. last episode. Like his yeah. numbers are bonkers. Yeah. Like not just offensively, but just the impact he has on the ice, yeah. all over the ice, is incredible. And yet, yeah. this team may not make the playoffs. Uh, which is just wild. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have the roster they do, when you look at all the guys that are in their prime right now, there's no excuse for that. Absolutely not, yeah. And so you have to say to yourself, what did we do wrong? So here's the thing with that. I cannot, be- like, I, this, let, me, let me make it clear. I am not, I am not defending Paul Maurice. I, I think Paul Maurice has accomplished very little. As You'd be the show. first media person not to defend. Oh, you know what? I will. I then I I will be, I will be brave enough, Ryan. I'm glad that someone like me has the bravery to Pick step into step into the trenches Pick and up really that shield. exactly. Yes. Um, uh, Paul, listen, I'm I'm no fan of I, I'm a fan of Paul Maurice the person. I think yes. He's hilarious. Everybody he's, is. Of course. That's the problem. Exactly. I think he's hilarious. He's yeah. an incredible quote. I literally I look forward to whenever he comes to town. So you know, so yes. we can get Paul Maurice scrums. Great guy. Seems like a nice human being too. Just totally. like in terms of everything we've heard from how he treats players, that you know his, his culture, his staff. Great guy. Yes. Um, in terms of a coach, he's accomplished literally nothing, and I don't understand why he is billed as this like you know big ticket guy. But you look at the you look at the uh, uh, the Florida Panthers, and it's not Paul Maurice's fault that he dismantled a Presidents Trophy winning roster. Right. It's not Paul Maurice's fault that he fired a a coach who. I believe he was up for the the, uh, uh, the for the Jack Adams, yeah. um, and who led them to this? Who who not only led them to to this pres one of the most dominant like they were the only team of the cap era to score four to average four goals per game four point one one exactly I, just, I happened to look that up this morning exactly. for something else so this wasn't just like a Presidents Trophy team that like you know oh they were really good they were the good team of that year no like this was this is a that was a as literally by the definition of the word a generationally good offensive team yeah. Um, Paul Maurice didn't didn't trade an unprotected first rounder to get Ben Chirot. Right. Paul, Paul Maurice didn't you know didn't didn't trade another first rounder to get Claude Giroux and it didn't work out you know and and on top of that like Paul Maurice didn't didn't put them in a position where they literally had to play like one or two players down for a good chunk of the season because they were in cap trouble and to the point where they had to you know they had to sort of like mix and match their roster just to fit Anthony Duclair in and Paul Maurice didn't sign the Stahl brothers as like legitimate everyday lineup kind of kind of stock gaps like Bill Zito went from being a a GM of the year candidate a guy who built you know one of the one of the best teams analytically offensively of like modern hockey like some a, a team that everyone should look at as a modern example of like what a hockey team should be he 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 got reclamation projects and put them into a system and it worked. He signed good contracts and all that. But then he he took that and after one bad one sweep in the second round, yeah, he 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 just nuked it like he completely he he sent out John Huberto and Mackenzie Weger. And while Matthew Duchuk was a phenomenal uh, um, phenomenal ad, like mm. keep in mind they also sent out a first round pick and a prospect and all that in that deal. You know, he he fired, or he just, maybe not fired, but like decided not to retain the coach that led them there. Yeah. And not only led them there, but took a situation that could have tanked their season and their their respected head coach having to step down in disgrace. Yep. And he, he, he and, and Andrew Burnett stepped in that situation and basically like took the, and was like, let's regroup and took them to history, really. Yep. Um, I, like, 
I cannot believe I'm here defending Paul Maurice because I, do, I don't think he's the right coach for this team. I think a lot of their struggles as well went from they were a fast-paced, move the puck, you know, like attack the offensive zone type of team to the Paul Maurice plodding, you know, like sort of uh, chip and chase, you know, like, like low percentage plays, like holding the puck, all that kind of stuff uh, um, uh, type of team. So I do think that that factors in, but I don't, like Paul Maurice, I, in my opinion, is not the problem here. Like mm. Bill Zito went from being the, the pinnacle of a modern GM, I think, right. at this point to just complete, like getting turned turned insane by one uh, by by one sweep and look that happens man like i went i went on on here and told and told the story about how i missed 14 threes in a row and i smacked myself in the face so hard i ruptured my eardrum we all do dumb stuff in yeah. sports but he but like he took he 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 watched his team get swept in the second round by the event, by arguably the the current dynasty in the sport yeah. and went all right, let's 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 drop a nuclear bomb on everything right. I built, and now they are scrapping to be in the playoffs while completely capped out, while having no draft capital until twenty twenty six. I think like it is things are not great, and that's not that's not on Paul Maurice. Although I don't think he should be the coach. Right, I'm I'm going to agree and slightly disagree. Oh, and this is the only thing I'm going to say. What are you going to say? Bill Zito gets to fire Paul Maurice, not the other way around. Exactly. So and that's, that's his that's his that's his bullet. That, that, that's a book. Yeah. So look, I, but you I made would, a lot of very good points. Thank you, Ryan. I, it's your approval that I really crave. Um, uh, but as well, I believe Paul Maurice has a multi-year deal. Like I believe it. I believe it was announced because it got announced during the Cup final. And I remember writing the news set of it. I believe it's a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. Don't don't hold me to that. But like yeah. firing him after one year, like that is not an insignificant financial decision. That is true. Like it, you will then be paying. You will likely then be paying Paul Maurice for another three years to not coach for your team. Yes. So that is tough. I, I I can't keep in mind I can't like I can't see things changing just because this seemed to be like a disaster season maybe they'll try and and, and run it back yeah. but then again like we've seen Zito act like like I just it's a three-year deal yeah okay so that's still not an insignificant thing yep. um, and so I, I say I want to think that they'll run it back just because they have a talented core and all that and they mm. maybe they believe in Paul Maurice and he'll give you give, give them a folksy speech in the uh, in the boardroom and maybe, but then again, we, we, I just spent, you know, 10 minutes monologuing about how Bill Zito made a snap decision over yeah. disappointment. So look, who knows? Ottawa, Buffalo and Detroit are coming. Oh dude. They, and they are like, so look, look at next year might not be better for the Panthers. Like there's a legitimate case that, that the Panthers finish below all three of those teams next year. Like I could, I could forecast that. It's, it's hard seeing that because they have Barkov, but at the same time... But I could say that all these other teams have these guys. That's very true. Like, I could, I could say that the Senators have Chikrin and Shabbat and Stutzla and Norris and, blah, blah, and yeah. you know, like, you can say the, the Sabres have Tage Thompson, you know, yeah, and the, the Red Wings, they, well, I mean, maybe not the Red Wings, but, like, you know, it's... The Atlantic is is the toughest division in the sport right yep. now, yep. and it it this is not a great year to take a step back. That's no, for sure. Um, all right, moving on to uh, our final topic of the day here. It's the trade deadline. Um, well, we can't we can't spend any time not talking about it. It just was the That's most right. entertaining trade lead up. I guess the deadline yep. there was so many players changed teams. This was this was a phenomenal. I would say lead up to the deadline. Maybe not the actual day, but. It does beg the question now that we are now that we have like you know five six seven games of these players playing on their on their new teams you know who has been the best acquisition so far um, and then your choice was at, is is my choice um, okay but now I'm gonna have to pivot because of that Ryan yeah. who has been your who's been the the acquisition you think has has you know made the best contribution of their team so far 
All right, well, I'm going to go with Matias Ekholm in Edmonton yes. because he was specifically exactly what they needed. Yes. Uh, you know, a defensive defenseman uh, that could take pressure off of Darnell Nurse and, and really sort of settle other guys down in that core. Uh, it just feels like the Oilers are structurally a much better team mm-hmm. already. Uh, so good to see Ekholm being such a perfect fit there. And, and again, you know, you have a guy back there. I mean, we know this team is predicated on give Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl a puck mm-hmm. and let them work their magic. Uh, but you do need that that safety yes. blanket, and Matthias Ekholm can be that. And uh, and I will say an, another player that I don't know if you want to riff off him, but sure. I will mention him. Dmitry Orlov has been oh, yeah. perfect in Boston. Yeah, uh, just fit in with that blue line so well. And uh, so masterstroke there by. GM Don Sweeney for the Bruins. He stole, even he's, better. He stole my two answers. Like I, like, but now you can riff off Orlov. Yeah, well, I was going to say, Orlov has been like better than I think the Bruins ever could have expected. He's yeah. basically like a point-per-game defenseman on the back end. He has fit in perfectly with them. He is exactly... Like, they didn't need Dimitri Orlov, and yet he's been exactly what they needed, yeah. if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So he's been fantastic. Um, I, would, I would also say Jacob Chikrin. I just think yeah. that he has... Even like on the ice, he's been Jacob Chikrin. He's been great. He's he is like Ekholm, exactly what that team needed. Mm-hmm. Like the the Oilers needed that you know that two way puck moving, but defensively responsible, big sort of minute munching top four top pairing kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Matthias Ekholm, they got him. That is like you know I, I'm really hard on Ken Holland, but gosh darn it, that is the perfect trade acquisition for them. Um, and it's the same with Chikrin, where the 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 Sens their blue line was their Achilles heel. You know, they can have all the offensive uh, potential, all the prospects that they graduate uh, who, who end up looking really good. It didn't matter because it was just Thomas Shabbat and maybe Artem Zub, and they were just on an island. Yeah. And, and they add Jacob Chikrin, who is a legitimate guy, who also loves being in that, er- that area. Yep. He's under contract for a great, for a great sort of um, a great AAV for the next two years. And then, considering the fact that he'll get to see his grandpa all the time, I wouldn't be shocked if he re-signs for eight years or whatever sure. in there. Um, another one, and this is more low, lower key, but Nolachari. That's true. Nolachari yeah. has fit in exactly. He's, he, we talk about, like the trade deadline is basically you need to find a player that you need. Yeah, right? yeah. The fit, the fit and need. And he has been exactly the least needed in their bottom six, mm. especially now with, with Ryan O'Reilly uh, injured. I was going to say, like, if he didn't get hurt, Ryan O'Reilly would have been it because he, with, with him in that top six, the Leafs look like a monster. Yeah. Um, but Achari has been exactly what they needed. He, like, the team loves him. Um, literally, Oreo responded to one of my tweets yesterday uh, uh, when I when I was tweeting out how Achari said that he was he would be absolutely open to a cookie sponsorship. Oreo was like, "Yo, have his people come on, people kind of thing." Like, yeah. it is looking like a great a great fit. Um, uh, yeah, he's he looks to be exactly what they needed. But man, like you can't you can't go better than Echo. Like he is. It, I, I was I was ready after the deadline to stand here and and be like Ken Holland should be tried in front of the Supreme Court for crimes against hockey because he's making Connor McDavid you know potentially not make the playoffs and he goes out and gets exactly the piece they needed and yeah. didn't have to give up Xavier Borgo didn't have to give up any real huge top prospects yeah perfect great job Ken like I can't I can't compete with that other than Orlov who you know as a rental because here's the thing like. I'd say Ekholm edges out Orlov just because he has those extra years of contract. Right. Like, he'll be an oiler for another three, I believe. Yeah. Whereas Orlov is going to, like, he is just a straight rental. But, like, you can't compete with a guy who comes in and adds 
and, and comes in, joins the best team of, I'd say, the modern era. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 uh, easily, yeah. like easily. They've already hit 50, 50 wins yeah. and is a point per game defenseman and gives them even more than they could possibly hope for. So, what a phenomenal deadline, man! Like we, like these, like we. In years past, we would make, we would have to really sort of you know grasp at straws for this. We there's an endless possibility. I could have said Patrick Kane. Yeah, he's been great. Yeah, you know, like it's it, you know the list goes on. Hockey's great. What a it great is. what a great uh, time of the year. All right, um, we have now finished the the segments portion of the podcast, which means Ryan has rapid fire. Rapid fire. Let's do this. Yes. I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to start off with a hockey one, and uh, because this is rapid fire, I just want your top answer. Mm-hmm. I won't elaborate. Yes. Based on social media interactions and everything we know, which Canadian NHL team has the most rational fan base? Oh, the Calgary Flames. That's a good answer. I, for me, there's two answers. Calgary is one. Winnipeg is the other. Oh, yeah. Winnipeg. I, yeah. Look, I... I didn't want to exaggerate or elaborate, but like I have a, I'm friend with the guy. I'm friends with the guy who hosts Game Over Winnipeg, okay. and he is the most rational Jets fan. Where like it doesn't matter how good they're doing, like if 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 the path ahead spells trouble, like he will be in a depressive state. Right. Um, and I think that that that's great. But also, I've never like I've, I, the Calgary Flames are. Uh, I don't know what what's up with uh, with the Calgary Flames fans. They are just super rational. They yeah. they always are like this is what our like they're always just super in tuned on. This is what our team is, man. Yeah. Good or bad, this is what it is. We're not going to be weird about it. We're not going to be mean about it. Yeah. We're just going to enjoy no the ride. No conspiracy theories. No conspiracy theories. No, you know, no calling Micah Cuck in his replies. Right. You know, it's just normal stuff. Yeah. And uh, and I love it, man. Like like give them. They have great people on their beat. Yep. They have great people in in the in in the stands. Love it. There you go. Shout out to Winnipeg and Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, what is your favorite? Motown song. <laughs> Can you even name one? It's funny, it's not even my era. Oh, but I feel that like everybody just knows Motown. Even from like commercial like KTEL compilations. Um Man, this is this is gonna be tough. I'm really getting exposed for my lack of, of Motown literacy <laughs> here. Um, the one that's that I'm not even sure if this is Motown. Is this my, this might be Boys to Men, so I'm pretty <laughs> so I, I don't think this is Motown. But it's uh, it's like the Motown Phillies back. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. That's uh, is that Boys to Men? That is. Oh, okay, well that's my yeah. favorite Motown song. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't Motown because they're from Philly. Yeah, I don't know Philly. anything about Motown, oh, okay. but but uh, like if you if you okay, played then. me a song, right. I could 100 percent recognize it. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in of Detroit playing uh, minor hockey. There was always there was there were always tournaments there. Yeah. Um, but no, unfortunately, my my lack of. I've I've disappointed you with my lack of that's okay. Music it's, literacy. It, it's a tall ask uh, for me. It's you can't. And I'm hurt. a short person, so I can I couldn't reach it. Boom. Unfortunately, for me, it's you can't hurry love by the Supremes. I think you know you can say anything by the Supremes. The Supremes are like the the, the golden sort of the gold standard. Yeah, they're the yeah. gold standard there. But that to me is an awesome song. I will also say somehow uh, I got tears of a clown. <laughs> Stuck in my head this morning. <laughs> also good. I don't know how. It just happened. Okay. All right. Supreme left turn. All right. Mini quiz time. Okay. Which of these? I'm gonna give you three names. You tell mm. me which is not a seminal hardcore band oh. from the '80s. Your choices are Minor Threat, Rotting Idea, Gorilla Biscuits. I'm okay. Knowing like. Having traveled with you, spent time with you, and all that, I know that like 
basically, the the grosser of the 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 sentence, the more logical that is that it is a hardcore band. Interesting. So I'm gonna say Minor Threat is not. Wow. No, Minor really? Threat. Minor Threat is the most important hardcore band. Dude, I don't ever. I don't know. I would have thought Minor Threat. That's fantastic. I would have thought Minor Threat wasn't because like it's just. Like it's not the most hardcore name, right? Like rotting idea is that the fake one or is that yes? Rotting okay. idea, I just made. Well, it. rotting idea is a great name for a band. I like, come up with great bands. The the hardcore <laughs> band that you made with you and your children during COVID, you should call it rotting idea. Yeah. Like before, no one steal it. Ryan's got this trademark. Don't don't. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, fantastic. Minor Threat literally wrote the song Straight Edge that started the Straight Edge movement. Wow. Yeah. And then members went on to form Fugazi. Uh, Ian Mackay is like... Well, this is just yeah. being a truly embarrassing uh, edition of Rapid Fire for you. Honestly, really. I, I just... It's... I didn't think that was the one you... If anything, I thought you might think Gorilla Biscuits is fake because it's kind of a silly name. Are you kidding me? Like, the amount of the amount of names of bands yeah. that you have a, either exposed me to or just told me about, yeah. like, Gorilla Biscuit is not even the top 100. I guess okay. that's fair. Yeah. And uh, they went on to form... Uh, well... Members of Gorilla Biscuits went on to form Quicksand. Mm -hmm. That's your mini post-hardcore lesson for the wow. day. Uh, and I'm gonna f I'm gonna s finish off okay. with another quiz question, another fun one. Okay. Uh, because the Minnesota State High School tournament finished up on yes. the weekend, uh, I watched a bunch of it. It was amazing. Okay. I'm gonna give you three mascot names. Oh yeah. Because uh, you're not gonna know the names of I'm the not. cities or the high schools anyway, so there's no point there. Um, which of these teams was not in the tournament this year? Okay. And we're going both small and big school bracket. Okay. Where it's a wide uh, option here. The Zephyrs, mm -hmm. the Fire, or the Spuds? You know what? Who was not in the tournament? See, I, people are going to, society will say, that it'll be the Spuds, but I fully believe that a team called the Spuds would be in the Minnesota High School Hockey Tournament. I'm gonna say the Fire. You are correct. Well done. Yes, okay. The Z Based on what I know from Minnesota High School Hockey, yes. from what you've talked about, from what my lovely co-host Sydney Wolf will talk about on the American Pipeline, yeah. is that the crazier the name, the better. That is what I did with hardcore bands. Right. That's what I'm doing with this, so 100%. Like the Zephyrs and the Spuds, that, that is Minnesota high school hockey to, yeah. to its T, to its core. Yeah. So the Matamidae Zephyrs won mm. the small school bracket okay. in incredible form over War Road. Yes. It was uh, double overtime, absolutely shocking. Full credit to the Zephyrs, they played amazing. The Moorhead Spuds uh, were in the big bracket. They actually fell in the quarterfinal to mm. Medina. Uh, the Fire, there is, a, there is a team called the Fire. Yeah. The Holy Family Catholic Fire. They did not make the tournament this year, uh, but they do exist. And uh, I believe Shane Gersich, who was in the AHL, played for them. Wait, well, the Holy Family, Family Catholic, Catholic Fire? Fire? Yes. That just that reminds me of the, the That 70s Show, Our Lady of Perpetual Sorrow. Right. I also yeah. think that Holy Family Catholic Fire could be a hardcore band. Oh, 100. Oh, yeah. my, my goodness. We need, I can see the t-shirt in yeah. my mind right now. It's all Incredible. coming together. Um, well, this has been another lovely edition of the Hockey News Podcast. Um, I will learn Motown for next episode, maybe perform some. Who knows? Um, but obviously, you know, th this has been great, Ryan. I can't wait to talk about uh, more lovely, uh, lovely topics in this lovely game we call hockey next there week. You go.